Today's Old Testament teaching text is 1 Chronicles 16, 11 through 15. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his wonderful deeds which he has done, his marvels and his judgments from his mouth. O seed of Israel, his servant, sons of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are all in the earth. Remember his covenant forever, the word he commanded to a thousand generations. Today's New Testament text is John 14, 23 to 26. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened to, that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you, the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Miles. Good morning. For newcomers, and maybe even for some of the old comers, uh, I'm Jeff Sobolski. I'm an elder here at First Free. Our pastor, Matt, is not with us today for the second week. And he and his family, who we hope had a very refreshing time uh, down in Florida, are on their way back here. And Matt will be back up here next Sunday. And because I know that Matt is going to be going into a series of sermons from the Gospel of Matthew based on the life of Jesus. I thought that today we'd, we'd kind of be like John the Baptist, not so, not so pointed in our language, but rather to hopefully whet your appetite for the study of the Lord. And our goal today is to Make sure that you understand the centrality of Christ in our lives and especially in our, uh, in our life here as a congregation. Excuse me, my iPad goes dark pretty quickly. I have to pay attention to it, which for some of you will be a good thing. And I don't know why. If you paid attention to the two scriptures that were displayed, you'll see that a key thing that they have in common is the idea of remembering. In fact, the theme of remember is one of the most prominent of the Bible. In the Old Testament, there are nearly 200 uses of the Hebrew word zakar, which can also mean to remind, or along with the, Old, with the New Testament idea, it can mean a kind of remembrance. 
The word is often used in reference to the covenant of God with his chosen people, though David implores with God to be reminded, uh, to be remembered rather, in a similar way that one of the thieves on another cross asked Jesus to remember him. The scripture from 1 Chronicles is but one example of many. And I'm not going to go through that. That was just up there to kind of present the theme. Remembrance. Uh, I was pleased, blessed, and humbled to be part of a significant group of people from First Free who were able to assemble along with the others at the funeral of Matt's mother, Rita, last Tuesday. Uh, It was a blessed time, and if you want to ask for details about it, you can talk to to me, uh, to Rachel, to Tim, uh, to Bev, Barb, several others who were there that day. And I know for a fact that Matt was very encouraged by our attendance. But one of the more remarkable things about it uh, was the fact that Matt basically began the memorial service, the funeral service, uh, with a story about his mom that, of course, was extremely personal to him. And it was unusual uh, and very uh, postmodern to a certain extent in that, uh, I'll try and make this short, one day while he was sitting in the car uh, by himself, uh, he was, as a teenager, he was wanting some music. And this was before you could go to Sirius XM or whatever, and, and he, he, he wanted to just listen to something. So, as many of you remember, we loaded the car with CDs, and maybe some of you still do that because sometimes the sound is actually better. But, <laughs> and it is. And, and so we'll get into an argument about that later. But the point is, the point is, is that he started rummaging and looking for a CD, and he pulled, noticed, and he pulled out that his mother had a CD by the Talking Heads. And uh, some of you may not know who they are, but those of you who do, you know, for him, this was a surprise. In fact, he basically said that at that moment, he discovered that his mom was a lot cooler than he thought she was. And what Matt did is he opened the funeral service with his very close to David Byrne version edition of a Talking Heads song that apparently must have come from that album. It's one that XRT plays all the time. And uh, from this point on, I know that when Matt hears that song, he remembers mom. But when I hear that song, I'm going to remember his mom. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's, it's over now. That, that song means more now than it did before. We all possess forms of remembrance, right? I mean, most of you take photographs, digital or otherwise, during vacations or family gatherings or funny moments with your kids, right? And why do you do that? Well, because one day you'll be like my wife and I, we've got this bin of photos... 
and like, you know, five million photos or whatever, and then we have to go through them, of course, to put them into some form of order, right? And it's, 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 it's kind of a burden, but on the other hand, then we, of course, what do we do? We sit down and we go, oh, look, oh, yeah, and I remember that, right? And I remember who we were with, and I remember uncle, so-and-so, and there's grandpa, oh, man. And the memories begin to flow, and we enjoy that, right? It's great to remember. Now, of course, not all memory is good. And as a matter of fact, experts say that most of our very clear memories come in what you and I would call negative moments. Because the emotional factor of memory is very significant. And it's one reason why we don't always remember things that we know we ought to remember. Uh, I am older, and so my phone dings twice a day to tell me to take my pills. Now, I don't, by the way, I don't have a whole pile of pills. I don't, but I have ones that I have to take. And I have a morning set, and I got an evening set. And it's really funny because my phone really cares about me. Uh, When I'm away from home and it's time for the reminder, my phone conveniently tells me how far I am away from them. So yesterday morning, even though I had them with me, my wife and I were out for breakfast with friends, and it diligently told me that I was 35 minutes away from my pills and the traffic was light. So if I, you know, if I could just go, I could get there and I could get them done. So So thank you to my phone. Um, Here's another remembrance. Right there. Right there. And, (laughs) you know, I'm very fortunate that the, the person that I remember, because I have this ring still with me, to remind me to remember. No. Um, <laughs> but, but while this, of course, communicates to people that I am you know, legally uh, married, uh, the fact is, is that, we, and, and guys especially know that this is sometimes true, we, it's important for us to have this as a remembrance of who we are, who we're responsible to and for. But it also helps me to remember my vow and my responsibility. Now, if we can flash the scripture from John 14. Thank you. Now, the translation in my biblical version of John 14 is is not the same term as the Greek remember. It's more formal than that, although it is very much associated with it. Uh, It's directed toward an object or action that is used in the process of remembering. 
But of course, it does relate to the idea of reminding, being reminded. And a close look at the passage helps to clarify one very important and crucial activity of the Holy Spirit in conjunction with Jesus' commandment that comes during the Last Supper, which we are going to celebrate today. Now, if you take a good look, we have this obscure disciple named Judas who is not the famous Judas, but he is one who obviously has been paying attention. And he asks the Lord at this particular moment, well, what has happened that you're going to disclose yourself to us but not the world? In other words, why don't you just go out there and say what you want to say to everybody? And the context of, this, of these verses kind of rests in that. And so Jesus' response is his way of letting him know why the answer is, no, this, this is going to come later. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Now, what's interesting is that that word keep, it's a four-letter word. It happens a significant amount of times in the scriptures. You can go to any concordance and find it, and you'll be spending several minutes just counting the number of times that the word keep is in there. But the thing is, is that if you look real closely, the word keep is not always met by the exact same Hebrew or Greek term. And so therefore, this is a translation point. Uh, Keep is often understood as obey. And while that's certainly included, the Greek term for keep, and this is why I wish my translations were better, is actually in the context of watching over or keeping guard. Now look at that. Now, Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will watch over, protect, keep guard of my word, my my message. The word there is logos. And my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. In other words, you'll have holy fellowship. He who does not love me does not keep watch over my words. And the word, the message which you hear is not mine then, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. So Jesus' intent here is to clarify what he wants to happen. And then he goes forth and he basically says that the Holy Spirit will come to be the helper. In what way? To help us to remember and to remind us of what he said. 
And of course, the term teach you all things suggests that the ramifications and implications of what Jesus said is also going to be part of this. And of course, the key reason is, is that the proclamation to the world of what Jesus said rests in the hands of his disciples, of those who follow Jesus. And so therefore, one of the the key and, and most important parts of our Christian life, especially because we've been given the grace of God in Scripture, four Gospels that we can certify as being authentic, that we keep these in mind and that we do well to watch over them to make sure that the message of Christ is the one that we share. Now, it's one thing, of course, to say that Jesus said something and how disciples keep watch over them is, of course, another. And we're really good at transposing ourselves into what we think we are reminded of. In fact, it's, it's the, the fact that we have four Gospels and they actually, generally speaking, agree with one another, even though there are some remarkable differences, is perfectly okay. Don't try to talk through them. Don't try to talk around them. There are differences. And why? Well, because these are real people who, inspired by the Spirit, remember different things. And sometimes they remember them differently. It's okay. It's the same Jesus that is the center of all of it. I mean, the the truth of the matter is, is that if you and four other people were at corners of an intersection and there was a car accident and the police talked to each one of you and asked, what happened? Do you think that every story and every response is going to be exactly the same? And if you think so, no. Because you were standing in a different place, you were either paying attention or not, You wanted to cross the street or you didn't. Some of you remember the color of the SUV that came screeching around the corner. And some of you just remember the noise, right? And so if you all wrote reports to the police department, I guarantee you that they're going to be different. And sometimes they're not going to be very helpful. And so their job, of course, is to figure out what matches, and then maybe to ask clarifying questions, etc. But it's it's perfectly okay. Um, uh, my my friend Bob, my good friend Bob, who I've known since grade school, uh, he was uh, he was the center on our football team, and I was the quarterback. And I suffered a serious injury in high school, and we both. Very so often we get together and recollect that moment, you know, when I'm lying on the field and my friend Bob tells me to get up, you know, 
And I told him I couldn't. <laughs> and the story goes on from there. But his recollection of that conversation is slightly different than mine. You know, now, I happen to think I'm right because this is how I remember it. But there's also a possibility that he is because my state of mind at that particular time was, what's going on? What's happening to me? I can't, I can't get up, you know? And, uh, but the, the, the essential facts of the situation are shared by us. So that was a very emotional, intimate moment, but the fact is even then, we don't really have the same story. But you know, it's okay. It's okay. What's important for us today is that Jesus' response to Judas is contextualized in the sense of the group rather than merely the individual. This is not about you. Oh, you're the beneficiary. Okay? but it's not about you. Now, it's your testimony. And quite frankly, a great mental exercise is to sit down one day and try to remember the series of events that led to your deciding to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, and what led you to that? It can be a very long story with steps. I remember. And what's cool is that this has something to do with it. <laughs> so I just don't remember Barb when I look at my ring. I remember the Lord who led me to her and put all things together so that a few months after I thought that I had been gracefully granted a lady who could become my wife, I knelt down on the floor of my room next to my bed and I let the Lord know that I was serious now that I was his. And that's something that I will never forget. And I'm hoping that you have a moment like that too. But I also remember all the things that happened before that that all added up to equal you need to let the Lord know that you get it. And that's your story. That's your testimony. That's your part of the gospel. Not, not mine, it's yours. But your gospel, your testimony should be about the same Jesus as mine. And I have a feeling that if we actually all got together and everybody shared their own personal story, that we would find some things that actually link together. So now we come to the object 
of our gathering today. Later in our service, my brother Jonathan is going to come here and lead us through a communion worship time. And we go into that famous epistle, 1 Corinthians. And by the way, people always find this odd, but it was the Gospel of John and 1 Corinthians that were the scriptures that basically convinced me that I needed the Lord and that the scriptures were not a bunch of hooey. 1 Corinthians is one of the most honest pieces of writing that you can find. Because Paul tells the truth. He doesn't cloak everything in religious language. He speaks to real people and he tells the real truth. If Christ is not risen from the dead, then your belief is foolish. You're stupid. Man, I read that, I went, a real person wrote that to real people. Because it is the real logical truth, isn't it? We're just a club honoring an enlightened Jewish guy. If that's not true. Right? Man, I read that and I said, okay, I'm in. Now, the term in 1 Corinthians 11, which we read all the time during our worship service, uses the same term for the word remembrance as the Greek term that is actually used in the Gospel of Luke. It reminds the Corinthian faithful that Jesus asked his disciples to perform a ritual of eating bread and wine as a remembrance of Jesus, his being crucified as an object lesson by a dispassionate Roman ruler to appease a loud minority while at the same time identifying Christ as the suffering servant who takes away the sin of the world, the object center of Christian humble remembrance. And Paul is talking to the group. He's chastising them. Verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's what you're doing. Now, the Corinthians really did need that. We know that they were a splintered group, like many, like the church is, basically, uh, culturally and theologically. They boasted of Holy Spirit presence, while at the same time failing to obey the simple but profound desire of Christ to love one another and truly guard his teachings. Starting around verse 22, Paul says, Do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? 
in this I will not praise you. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, the reason why Paul refers to the admonition of Jesus was to shame the Corinthians based on their prejudicial joining in so-called fellowship meals that included a discriminatory act of what we call communion. His, his teaching here is not steeped in the individual, per se, but on the whole. A person, individual in this case, disqualifies their self from an acceptable worship based on their relationship to members of the group. Because communion is actually a group testimony to our acceptance of Jesus as the center point of our existence with God and of our acceptance of the body of Christ as the Lord's context for Christian testimony to the world. So yeah, in one sense, yeah, it's about you. But communion is not about you. It's about us. We. And anybody who wants to know about, in this case, first free, knows something about first free. When we join together, we drop everything except the Lord, and we join together and we remember. Our testimonies individually may be different, but our Lord is the same. And that remembrance guides and directs us in the way that we accomplish and go about what we do together and how we identify with each other together. And, you know, the need for remembering is, hasn't gone away, of course. Uh, I was reading the letters and correspondence of the great Lutheran theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer this week because I knew there was something in there that I needed to read. Uh, If you've never read Letters from Prison, you should. In May of 1944, not terribly long before Bonhoeffer was cruelly executed just because by a desperate German leadership. He's in correspondence with his dear friend, Eberhard Bethke. Bethke is the one who wrote that really thick book on Bonhoeffer that I would, you know, you can go ahead and try that too if you want to. Not the other ones. That one. Anyway, he said this, after a night of uh, bombing in the area, apparently, the Allied forces are beginning to encroach the area. He said to Eberhard, 
Something that repeatedly puzzles me as well as other people is how quickly we forget about our impressions of a night's bombing. Even a few minutes after the all clear, almost everything that we had just been thinking about seems to vanish into thin air. Where is this memory today? Is not the loss of this moral memory responsible for the ruin of all obligations of love, marriage, friendship, and loyalty? Nothing sticks fast. Nothing holds firm. Everything is here today and gone tomorrow. But the good things of life, truth, justice, and beauty, all great accomplishments need time, constancy, and memory, or they degenerate. The man who feels neither responsibility toward the past nor desire to shape the future is one who forgets. And I don't know how one could really get at such a person and bring him to his senses. Every word, even if it impresses him for the moment, goes in at one ear and out at the other. What is to be done about him? It is a great problem of Christian ministry. Every pastor in the United States is going, Amen, brother. Yeah, nothing's changed, has it? Not really. We're all distracted. And yeah, you know, again, I'm of an age. It's a little easier now for me to forget where I put my keys. But one good thing that happened for me during the pandemic was that I got myself involved into a routine, a ritual of sorts. Every morning, I do some exercises, but there is a moment, I have two sets of exercises, and there's a moment in each set where I stop and I pray. I'm doing something that's good for me. Uh, in one sense, I'm tucking my legs up to my chest to get my arm back. And then another one is that I'm doing the yoga thing where you just over here and you hold it there for two or three minutes. Yeah. You know, the, the good thing about it is that I get used to it. The bad thing about it is that I got to get up. <laughs> that's, that's always the bad thing. It's like, what's going to happen today, Jeff? Well, we'll see. <laughs> But I got into a ritual of that because the fact is is that I have a bunch of people to pray for who need the Lord's intervention. They need healing. They need strength. Uh, I lift them up every day. This doesn't make me a great person, by the way. Uh, I think some of you, many of you probably do the same thing. Uh, the bottom line is, is that it's, it's what I can do. And the fact is, is that it puts my mind early in the day in the fact that I am his Okay? And I trust the Lord for these things. And the bottom line is, is that I, I got to make as part of the ritual prayers from, for, for, for y'all here, for my congregation, for our fellowship, and for our church. And to tell you the truth, we forget about these things a lot. We do. Because we're, we're in the middle of trying to form our personal theology, you know, and, well, I'm not going to let some pastor tell me how to think. And I'm going to read the Bible the way I want to. And, 
and then we come up with stuff. Stuff that separates us. I mean, how many ways have Christians, even using Scripture, found excuses to break fellowship and alliances based on things that are not even mentioned in recognized unifying statements like the Apostles' Creed? Why aren't the teachings of Christ more important than the expanded treatises of the so-called learned? How many of you out there find reasons not to partake in communion, for example? I mean, if, are you a Christian? Uh-huh. Well, then how come you're not celebrating the Lord with us? Uh-huh. The central truth of communion has nothing to do with you. It has to do with you having something to do with him. Now, bad teaching hasn't helped. Contrived traditions that limit Christian involvement to those who fit narrow creations of eligibility don't help. Giving more power to objects than is reasonable doesn't help. The whole point is to remember Jesus and everything about him together. So, today, when we go into the communion time, I want you to remember that fact. What did Jesus ask us to do it for? And is that good enough for you? Or do you got to pile other things on it? And in fact, so that we have some clarity. I'm going to make a suggestion to you. For those of you who are still working on maybe some uh, scriptural goals for 2023, my suggestion for Bible reading this year is really simple. Read the Gospels. All right? Now, I, I, now, don't put words in my mouth. I didn't say the Old Testament is not uh, relevant. I didn't say that the New Testament is, uh, you know, it's just a bunch of stuff that we had. I didn't say that. And I'm not saying that. So don't say it, I said it. In fact, keep guard over what I say. Read the Gospels. It's in the Gospels where most of us met the Lord Jesus. Now, it's true that he indwells the faithful. And a person can, in fact, be a gateway to our discovering Christ. Nothing wrong with that. But getting to know him, figure out your Christian life by keeping watch and acting upon what the Lord Jesus said. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for the simple commandment. Thank you for making things plain. Thank you for your grace, for taking upon the sin of the world and then opening that door to uh, freedom from uh, unnecessary tradition, uh, from things that tear us down, for things that cause strife. And Lord, help us to make 
renew our covenant with you again. Holy Spirit, remind us of what Jesus said and then empower us to live accordingly. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.